Hello and welcome to the Flex. It's Matt St. Jean and Joe Howie here once again talking about Friar basketball. A tough trip to the Midwest. The first trip to the Midwest for this team saw the Friars soundly defeat Butler and DePaul, but this time not as good. Friars fall at Creighton and then Marquette. And they'll return home Saturday to play DePaul. Still, Friars 6-2 and two in the Big East, 14-5 and five on the season. And uh, top 40 team in both the net and Ken Palm at the moment. Higher in Ken Palm than the net as they've been for most of uh, the last couple weeks here. Joe, uh, yeah, this is not what we expected, but not the end of the world. No, uh, I think you said it perfectly, Matt. Not what we expected uh, and certainly not what we were hoping for with this trip. But again, it's not the end of the world. Um, we talked about this a lot on the last show that we did that, you know, this six game win streak to open conference gave you a bit of a cushion um, as a part of that larger nine game win streak. And at the end of the day, Creighton is a really talented team. Um, Mm -hmm. They are, they have some blips on their resume due to some health issues, but Creighton is an NCAA tournament team and Marquette's a ranked team. And, you know, it's not the end of the world that we lost to them. You would have liked to have at least one of those, maybe split the games with a sweep of Marquette, but that's neither here nor there. You already beat Marquette once and you have an opportunity to beat Creighton at home. So again, not the end of the world. Yeah. Before we get into this, a couple of reminders for you. Uh, if you're looking to head to the Amp on Saturday, see the Friars. We've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun, head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. If you haven't used that code yet, go ahead. Use it this Saturday. Get yourself down to the app for that one. Also a reminder, this podcast is presented by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, for more info. Joe, do we want to start with the, the, the Creighton game and just go in chronological order here? Sure, let's do it. Yeah. The Friars lose at Creighton. 73-67 to 67 was the final score. The Friars led 14-10 to 10, kind of early on, but Creighton ends up building a 16-point lead in the second half. Friars hold on to keep it close, but could not do enough. Bryce Hopkins leads the team with 20 points. Carter, 13. Locke with 12. And Croswell with 10. Uh, you get four, four, 12 points combined from the rest of the team in this one. And uh, as a t- I, if, I, if I had one big takeaway from this, it's that Ryan Kalkbrenner is really, really, really good. <laughs> so I actually – so on the topic of Ryan Kalkbrenner, I agree. I think he had a really good game. After watching him for a full 40 – Part of me thinks he's a little overrated. Um, Don't get me wrong. I think he is a really, really good player. And if we had him on our team, the tone would be much different. But if you're that tall, you should be averaging a double-double night in and night out. And I don't even think he leads the team in rebounds. Like, don't get me wrong. He's very good. But in terms of physicality, I think, you know, physicality and rebounding are definitely areas of improvement. But needless to say, he was dominant against us. So take this. I think... Take yeah. that how you will. Well, I think one of the things with a, a big center, we saw this with Nate Watson too. Watson would score, but oftentimes, especially with, with Horkler last season, he wouldn't be the, the leading rebounder. Oftentimes when you have a good center, they end up kind of setting up 
for whoever's playing the three or the four to get those rebound opportunities because they're they're so dominant. Also, he's a shot blocker, which is going to pull him out of some of the yeah, range for some rebounds. So doesn't that that part doesn't? But he still gets seven boards a game, so he's he's doing enough. The Shireman gets like eight and a half rebounds for great. Yeah, he but he is something else. Yeah, he's that was another. It's I think we saw Creighton be what we kind of expected Creighton to be coming into the season on Saturday. I think there was an anticipation amongst the Creighton side of things that, you know, they were kind of waiting for Creighton to click the way that they did early on in the season. Um, It's unfortunate for Providence that it was against us, but I think we saw the Creighton that you saw the first six games of the season, the preseason ranked Creighton, the preseason big East winner Creighton. Like, I think this is the Creighton team that everyone was expecting. Um, Baylor Shireman, man, he got his revenge for us in that, uh, that uh, NCAA tournament game when he was at uh, South Dakota State. This was his revenge tour for uh, against the Friars and Ed Cooley. Hopefully, we can get him down the road. But he was he was really good too. Him and Cockbrenner really owned that game. And I think you know defensively, we needed we really needed Jared Bynum as not only our our offensive leader, but just as the vocal head of the team on the floor. Yeah, I 100% agree there. Um, you know what's crazy is that we're mentioning those two. We haven't even talked about Trey Alexander for Creighton, who's our guard. Who he gets the Ken Palm MVP for this one because he he got to the line 11 times, hit 10 free throws, three assists to no turnovers. He did a really good job of setting up the other guys on the team too. I thought. And yeah, yeah. It's uh, this. The Friars right now are absolutely missing Jared Bynum. It just it's tough to not have him out there, especially against a team. That's as good defensively as Creighton, and all right, it's when you have Ryan Kalkbrenner back there who can block everything he wants to block, then everybody can play more aggressively on defense, and there's less space, and the Friars aren't shooting the three ball well right now, so it just makes life that much harder for whoever the point guard is. Right, and you got to give credit to Bryce Hopkins, who kind of has been playing hero ball offensively, but you know he can do that for two consecutive games and we can still lose. And I think that's a really important thing to note is that as good as Bryce Hopkins is, our offense is not where it needs to be with Alan breed running the point. And that's not a knock on breed whatsoever. You know, he is a true combo guard at nature, but you really need Jared Bynum who is your defined clear cut niche point guard out there for your offensive sets. Because I think we saw it a lot against Creighton. We saw it a lot against against Marquette last night is that, you know, the offensive plays fall apart and then we're kind of stifled by opposing defenses and Creighton did a really good job of exposing us. Yeah. And it's, I mean, Jared Bynum is so good at distributing the ball. And then, I mean, Breed is not that guy. Devin Carter is not the guy. Bynum also, he drives so well. He yeah. He's quick in a way that yeah. those other guys aren't. I'd say Carter and uh, Breed are smooth. They're not quick. They don't get to the hole the same way that Jared Bynum is able to. And that's kind of the the difference maker when you're going against defenses like these. I think not to mention, too, you look at, at just the build of Bynum versus the build of Breed. And, and Bynum's five foot ten. He's short. He's stocky. If he needs to, he can tuck his head like a running back and dive to the, to the rim. That's not something that is necessarily in Allen Breed's wheelhouse. Devin Carter can do that, but it's it's just not a, a, as quick as when Bynum does it. He's much bigger. Um, but that's a great point, Matt. It, it, is Bynum is much quicker than the other two. And considering those are the two guys that really ran the point last night, we can include Jaden Pierre, but he was kind of just thrown yeah. in there lackluster. Um, it was really breeding Carter for the most point. 
Yeah, and Pierre got those minutes too. He's just, I think he's too sloppy with the ball right now. He's not seeing everything, and he looks like a freshman. You see the flashes, you see him do good stuff, but it's not there. And uh, you look at these games. So Pierre only took three shots, and Creighton and Corey Floyd only took one shot. The combined, they made just one. It was a two pointer from Pierre. So that's the other thing is that the depth guys are just not getting involved on offense. Yeah, Uh, it's all. This feels. Almost like the the twenty nine no the twenty 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 one team, where the whole thing is the whole thing's made out of that yeah year the whole thing was made out of Nate Watson and David Duke so every yeah. offensive possession it was how do we get it to these guys that's how it feels with Bryce Hopkins and Ed Croswell the last two games and when it's two guys who both play in the paint neither one of them is a three point shooter it just the floor gets so small and so compact. yeah I agree especially if you look at the streaky shooting of Noah Locke and. I wouldn't. I won't say inconsistency of Devin Carter because he's really been probably one of our most consistent consistent three point shooters. I know you'll probably have yeah. a stat to back me up on that, but if you look at the lineup that's out on the floor, guys are not afraid to stay home on uh, what's his name on Devin Carter now because if Locke's going to be airballing threes and you don't have to worry about Breed necessarily taking them, then sure you can swarm Watson, uh, not Watson, geez, uh, Croswell <laughs> and Hopkins. Um, I mean, they'll take they'll be the workhorses down low and they'll score for you. But if other guys aren't open for looks, you know, that's really it. The 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 faucet runs dry at some point or another. And that's where Jared Bynum comes into it, is getting guys in position, being another perimeter threat when he's on and just being an extra presence on offense. And uh, I think we're really hurting without him now. Yeah, and I thought there I mean, there were a lot of similarities between both of these last two games and the losing streak here and that. It was just it was a struggle to even get the ball inside the three point arc on yep. a lot of possessions, and I mean this is a team that quite frankly like, it's not the best shooting team in the world, and that's no. not how they win games. They win games by being by getting the ball inside, being physical, getting up shots, getting offensive rebounds, getting fouled by playing physically down low and attack on the basket. And I mean, we we kind of mentioned this before the show. You mentioned to me how it took 17 minutes to get to the free throw line for the first time against Marquette. It felt like it took them 17 minutes to get the ball inside the three-point arc. Like, that's – if you can't get the ball near the rim, you're not going to get fouled, and that's the kind of whole offensive strategy here. Um, Are we we transitioning to Marquette now? I think we can kind of talk about both as one unit, honestly, because I I think there's a lot of lessons here that I took away from both games, like the same lessons from both. I agree. I think on that comment of of not shooting a free-throw attempt until – 17 minutes in the first half had passed. I think that's a little bit of officiating too. Um, There's no indication of this, but this is just my hypothesis is that because Shaka was very vocal about the free throw discrepancy last game, that there was some sort of effect on the amount of fouls called in the first half on Providence. This game, again, like you said, Matt, we had a very difficult time getting the ball close to the basket in the first half. So again, take with that what you will. I think, you know, Marquette's defense was ready for the task and they did a good job. But uh, to say officiating was interesting last night is I think the appropriate choice of words. It was, it was classic Big East officiating in that it was in very, very, very inconsistent. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Consistently inconsistent here at the Big East. Exactly. And I mean, it's the classic stuff you see in the Big East where a guy is going to get mugged the whole way up the floor and no foul but then you're going to call the hand check five yeah. seconds later on the same defender. And what are we doing? Like, that, yeah, yeah exactly. you got you got the number of fouls in that sequence correct. We didn't <laughs> yeah. call the right one. 
Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or Bryce Hopkins getting clobbered under the rim, uttering under his breath, come on, and then getting a technical. I, I just, yeah, I, I don't know where I, that comes from. Yeah, it's, it's weird stuff. I'll also say, I mean, you play teams on the road, you're going to get different officiating. When you're in your yep. own building, you get better officiating. That's just it's the reason why the point spread favors the home teams in this stuff. And that's that's part of it. So I think one of my one of my concerns here is what this Providence team looks like when they don't get the whistles, when they don't get the bounces. I think we've seen the effort, the toughness, the heart. I don't question that about this team at all. They didn't give up. They stayed with it. I thought they, Absolutely. they, they pulled comebacks in both of these games. But uh, look at this. I mean, Creighton only had 15 fouls in that game. Marquette only had 16. You go back to the non-conference. St. Louis only had 16 fouls in that game. They lost. Miami had 18. TCU had 20. All of all of their losses have come when the opponents had 20 or less fouls. All of their losses here have come away from home. And the, the teams that they have beaten when the other team doesn't foul at Columbia only had 14 Merrimack only had 15. They won at Butler and Butler only had 15 fouls, but they were hitting shots that night. Uh, they beat Stonehill. They beat Northeastern. They beat Manhattan. URI. Basically the Friars have not beaten a good team here where they haven't gotten the whistle. And I think that's kind of the, the next step for them is to find a way to overcome that. Yeah, I agree. And I think if you look at a couple of our best losses, I'm thinking of this UConn, uh, of a couple of our best wins, excuse me. I'm looking at this UConn win. I'm looking at this Marquette win at home. We went to the free throw line a lot. Um, I think that's a great point, Matt. I didn't know that until you just brought that up to me now. Um, and I just, I think it, it goes to the the style of basketball that Ed Cooley has produced this season. It's heavy, heavy up in the paint, you know, try and get defenders to collapse in and throw bodies down there and then open up our shooters outside. And if we don't have shooters, if we don't have offense facilitation, that doesn't work. And I think teams are starting to catch on to that. Um, We saw it now back to back Creighton and Marquette. Um, But yeah, I think another, another piece of this too, that we're not necessarily um, touching on is that this is still, you know, a a team filled with young guys. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. a senior laden team. And I think when you play away from home in hostile environments in the big East, you know, sometimes it's hard to rise to the occasion. And I don't think anyone is going to doubt the heart and the grit that this team has. I think Marquette and Creighton both held at least 14 point leads on us. And we were able to chip it back to to two possession games in in the final minutes of the clock. So no one's going to doubt that. I think what this team lacks is, is that, senior ability to to overcome the hump and take over on the road and win because we haven't necessarily seen that yet against a powerful opponent sure you can do it at butler and at depaul but and at rhode island but those aren't necessarily the the big fish you know the yukons of the world the creightons of the world the marquettes of the world those are the teams the xaviers of the world those are the teams where you you need to be able to produce so listen Playing on the road in the Big East is a really difficult task. And if you watched any of the three games last night, you saw that all of the home teams won and all of the visitors lost. So take with that what you will. But, um, you know, definitely some growing pains on this Midwest trip, to say the least. Yeah, uh, 100%. And it's, uh, you mentioned kind of the veteran aspect of that. That's where I'm a little bit disappointed in last night's game with Noah Locke who, honestly, he did everything right except make the shots. Right, He went one of seven from deep, including an air ball, and more than half of those were wide-open looks, the kinds of looks you want for him. So he's not going to have a whole lot of those nights again the rest of the season, I don't think, but 
if he has the kind of night that he can have at Marquette, that's a ball game. And that changes the way the whole the whole rest of that game flows with, with spacing and the way Providence's offense worked. I agree 100%. And it's like you can't really fault him because the shots were wide open. They just didn't go in. But you're right, Matt. Yeah. If he makes those shots, completely different ball game. And he is the, the senior leader. Him and Ed Croswell were the oldest guys on the court last night. But even with that, you see like Hopkins and Carter are the vocal ones on the floor. And that's where... Again, not to beat the dead horse, but that's where not having Bynum really kills you is that, you know, you're re- you're relying on a, a cold shooter and your center to really be your vocal pieces. And everyone knows that the point guard runs the team, not necessarily runs the team, but the point guard is the floor general. I mean, look at the, the way the 2017-2018 team played when Kyron Cartwright was on the floor versus when he wasn't on the floor. It was night and day. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's uh, he's. He's the, the thing that makes this this engine go. I, you look back to some of our discussion in the non-conference about who would be the point guard for this team. We already answered that discussion, but if it wasn't clear to people, even if Jared Bynum isn't hitting the shots, even if he isn't the first team Big East guy we thought he might be this year, they need him. He yeah. is the best point guard for these guys. Pierre might be the future. Uh, he might be the guy going forward, but he isn't at the moment, and that's okay. He's a freshman. Uh, once Bynum comes back, I'm very confident in what the Friars can do. Uh, I think it's also worth mentioning in this discussion that like everybody else in the backcourt is sick too. We saw yeah. uh, was it was it Pierre and Floyd were game time decisions at Creighton because they're sick. If I'm remembering yep. that, and then Breed didn't practice at all between the Creighton and Marquette games because he was sick. That's what Cooley said last night in the post game presser. So not only are you not having your starting point guard, the guys who are supposed to back him up aren't even able to get reps on the, the practice floor right now. Right. And again, this just goes back to the point of playing on the road is very tough. You know, you're traveling, it's the middle of the winter. So, you know, you're dealing with all sorts of seasonal ailments and the weather and whatnot. You're also, you're away from home for an extended period of time. When you go on these Midwest trips, they're not flying out to Nebraska and then flying home. They're going from Nebraska to Milwaukee. So, that's changing hotels, airplane. Like, no wonder these guys are did sick they, and run down. Did they come home? No, they did not come what? home. Okay. I thought it's, I actually thought it's on social media that they came home between the games. Did they? They, when they, I believe, I have to check now, but I believe when they posted like they're getting on the flight, I think it said Providence to Milwaukee. So then that's even worse. You're going to the you're going literally to the middle of nowhere in Creighton, coming back to Providence and then getting on a plane and going to Milwaukee. I mean, yeah. that's a lot of traveling. And keep yeah. in mind, these are yeah, these it are was. 18 it was to 24 Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. Keep in mind, yeah. these are 18 to 24 college students. It takes a toll. I, I mean, yeah, we, we talk a yeah. lot about the physicality and whatnot. It takes a toll traveling like that across the country and doing it in a quick oh, yeah. turnaround. It absolutely does. So all things considered, dropping two games on the road against teams. That's, Creighton is one of the 25 best teams in the country. I don't care that they're not ranked. Against no, two, two, two of the 25 best teams in the country, down a starter, and you play both close despite the fact that your team is sick. All things considered, it doesn't bother me. I think there's underlying concerns with this team. I think the Friars absolutely have weaknesses. But what team doesn't this year? Look at what just happened in the Big East last night outside of the Friars. <laughs> I, I mean, this this conference, man, night in and night out, just continues to prove that you know the Big East produces some of, if not the best college basketball in the country. I mean, you tell me 
eighth ranked Xavier, top of the Big East, 11 game win streak, is going to go into Wintrust Arena in year two of Tony Stubblefield's DePaul and lose in the final seconds. I tell you, you're nuts. And then miraculously, that's what happened last night. So, again, the, the road in the Big East, playing on the road in the Big East is one of the most difficult things to do in the sport of college basketball. And luckily for us, we have three road wins under our belt and that Seton Hall road win. And that now I guess that DePaul road win, those are looking better and better as the days progress, man. I mean, yeah. Seton Hall knocking off UConn in the final seconds. What was the stat you said before they led for six seconds of that game? Yeah. Something like that. And Seton Hall found a way to win. I mean, that's, that's something that's remarkable. Like that win at Seton Hall is one UConn doesn't have when DePaul is one Xavier doesn't have that home one against St. John's is one that UConn doesn't have. So the Friars are still absolutely in a position here to kind of, at worst, have a share for the regular season title if they essentially take care of the games that you would expect them to take care of. Yep, exactly. I forgot about the St. John's loss. That's Yeah. First St. John's road win of the season came at UConn. (laughs) Oh, man. Now we just need to see who Georgetown beats first. Playing Georgetown roulette, baby. I'm just going to knock on every piece of wood that I can find right now. Um, As the days go on, I am become even more terrified that the Friars are going to be the team that somehow ends up losing to Georgetown, especially because they get Georgetown on the road in late February. Like that's, I I think now we did. Did UConn play them twice already? No. UConn plays them next week. I think now, given what knowing what we know about UConn and the state of that program, I think it has to be them. Just, just, we'll just, just for for God's irony of making UConn lose to to everybody now. Oh man! I thought Georgetown was going to do it against Villanova, which I think may have been that would have been hilarious. That would have been the perfect. All right, well, Jay Wright era is over. <laughs> yeah, that that I was watching that game, but Georgetown, see. This is where, and this is a little bit of a side tangent, but who cares? This is where you can see the coaching is just not there. Georgetown has a 30-second shot clock turned off. The shot clock's turned off. That's 30 seconds left in the game. They're down by one point. All you need, all you need to do, milk the clock down, get a fairly open or decent shot in the paint, try and draw a foul. You make one free throw, you tie it, you go to overtime, great. You make both, you win the game. They couldn't even do that. And then they were given another opportunity down three with seven seconds left to hit a three pointer. And they take it from like 37 feet out. <laughs> it was, that yeah, it was ga- bad. That was just terrible. They deserve to lose that game after that sequence. Yeah, that was a real rough sequence there for Georgetown as they lose uh, yet again. Yep. Uh, any other? Oh, I, I have one other takeaway from this trip to the Midwest. Yeah. And that's. Things are rough with Clifton Moore right now. He is defensively. I mean, we saw miscommunications all over the floor against Marquette, and he was a huge part of that, which I'll give Marquette credit. They're the second-best offense and efficiency in the nation right now and number one at two-point shooting. Marquette's number one at two-point shooting. I think we saw why last night. They're really good at driving, and they got athletes. Clifton Moore did not look like he belonged on the floor in a myriad of reasons. No. I texted you last night. It's been really disappointing to watch the progression of him or lack thereof throughout the the remainder of the season since those first couple of games. You know, 
I was in the the Clifton Moore boat on after game one that like he's going to be a starter like he is going to be such an impact for us in the paint and aside from I think that Butler game he really hasn't had much of a, a positive impact on the floor through a majority of conference play and I don't that's not meant to be a knock I think Croswell is also playing with his hair on fire right now and he's playing really well scoring a lot of points and ripping boards down so it's tough to find Clifton more minutes but when you do find Clifton more minutes he just does not do himself any favors I mean on offense he's missing bunnies he's like he's getting out rebounded by opposing guards it's just it's really disheartening to watch especially because there was so much potential with this guy at the beginning of the season. And now it's kind of dwindled into he comes in when Croswell needs a breather on the bench for a couple of minutes and you hold your breath and hope that they don't dunk on him. Yeah. And there, I mean, there was a stretch where they did the double big lineup last night too with, with Croswell and more. And I, I think you can make that work. I think I actually thought that worked kind of well against Marquette just because you're able to get more rebounds and def- defend the paint a little bit better. And there's less pressure on each one individually, but then they were just hunting those guys on pick and rolls and switches and just trying to get blow buys on any one of them, which they were able to do pretty consistently. And I don't yeah. think it was all on Clifton Moore, but he got embarrassed at points because he was somebody miscommunicated and he's the guy running after the guy who's dunking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Um, I just, I, can we also just point out Cam Jones was, absolutely electric in the second half and he was the reason that Marquette won that game that steal he had on Devin Carter was really was rough from Carter but also that guy's a special player and I think Marquette's one of the 10 best teams in the country right now uh, anytime Cam Jones got the ball beyond the three-point arc I was cursing really really loud because I knew he was going to make it I mean he was 50% from three but it felt like 80% from three the way he was shooting he yeah. is it, it's 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 kind of funny that when we beat Marquette the first time, they fell out of the top 25. I don't think that was necessarily the right call by the AP pollers. And we can go down a laundry list of why the AP poll is just so flawed in so many different ways. But Marquette is a top 15, if not top 10 team in the country. If you look yeah. at the way that their offense plays, they run through Tyler Kolek, who I absolutely hate. He he is he's he's, <laughs> he's rising so up. He's rising on the Joe Howie hate meter for when it comes to, to conference <laughs> rivals, but he's really good at basketball. And listen, yeah. if they didn't see it before, they'll see it now. Marquette should be a top 15 team come Monday, really a top 10 yeah. team. But if they're not top 15, there's something wrong. Yeah. And this is Kolek, two of his three best games of the season for scoring came against the Friars, too 20, 29 and 29. 19. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean he some he has Friars now. He he comes to play against Providence and uh, I was super impressed by him too. I man, it's it felt like felt like the felt like Marquette's night. Golden Eagles were getting rolls. Like he got locked out there missing shots. Cam Jones is hitting them. There were a couple free throws Marquette took that I thought had no shot of going in that bounced in. A couple of floaters yep. near the basket that the same thing happened. I was like, all right, it's one of those nights where everything We've been here before. We've been to Pfizer Forum where everything goes Marquette's way. This happened last year, and it was like a 30-point blowout. So this is improvement. <laughs> so two points to that. Um, I, I thought the same thing. It was in the first half. Tyler Kolick hit a three, and it looked like he was going to brick it off of the back iron, and he got a friendly little kiss off the glass, and it went in. I was like, of course. Like, th- this is yeah. going to be that kind of night. The second point, I meant to make this point before, but then my mind drifted, and we talked about Georgetown. Um <laughs> 
what I want, what I do want to say is if this was last year's team on this Midwest trip, you lose both games by 25 plus. I did mm-hmm. want, I did want to point that out is that as talented and as connected as last year's team was, if you're down in the same, same situation, you're down, your starting point guard on a road trip to Creighton and on a road trip to Marquette, you lose by 25 plus points. And I think that's where the difference lies between this year's team and last year's team is that this year's team has a different grit level to them where they were able to chip back in and make it close. Whereas if you saw what happened at Marquette last year, they kind of just rolled over. Yeah. And I think this team, it has a little bit more explosion to it too. It's a more athletically gifted team. That's, it's one of the, like last year's team was really, really, really good. We're not knocking last year's team. No, but they got blown out last year at a Marquette team that's worse than the Marquette team this year. And Mm -hmm. they played them under tougher circumstances and played them closer this year. I think this is the the evolution of Ed Cooley. I think what he's done with this team is impressive. I was was glad to see more Corey Floyd in the second half once it was clear it was not Noah Locke's night. I still want to see Corey Floyd get more chances. I think he's a guy who can knock down shots, and I want to get him involved in the offense. I would love to see more of that, but... That was a really good defensive adjustment because you're basically at net zero offensively if you're subbing out Corey Floyd for uh, – if you're subbing out, excuse me, Noah Locke for Corey Floyd because if Locke's not hitting the shots and you're not going to draw them up for Corey, I'd much rather Floyd's defense than Locke's because Locke is a yeah. defensive liability at times, let me tell you. He just, he just he does gets, not get back. Yeah, yeah he, he, know, he generally knows what to do and yeah. he gives a lot of effort. He does. He also is not that great of an athlete. And you can basically only play him on point guards or maybe shooting guards. So he's completely unswitchable on defense in a way some of those other guys aren't. Right. Like Devin Carter, you could put him up against the team's center and he might block a layup. But but, uh, Noah Locke has got to stay on the smaller guards. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, we talk about the bounces too, not going their way. I just remember Jaden Pierre. Going for that dunk in transition, and it wouldn't you get, go. And you got to put yeah. that down. You got to. Yeah. A lot of little moments where the Friars could have could have won. This is a winnable game, but also it, is. it wasn't like it was. Marquette made the plays because it was their night, and their players are good. I think is the other part of this, and that happens. So I I pray we don't see them at MSG because they're really good. But if that game happens, it's going to be fantastic. It, it, it would be an electric third meeting. Um, and th- this is something that Cooley says a lot, and I kind of like it. It's that when you come into the Dunkin' Donuts Center, or the Amp, rather, you come into the Amp, you start off down seven just because of the crowd. And if we're going to take that type of analysis and apply it to last night, we came into that building down 45 points because it was not National Marquette Day, but it was national. Hey, remember when we went to the Final Four day and you had the, all the celebrities and the alum from that team. You got Wade taking pictures with fans and John Lapis on the call or Steve Lapis on the call. It's like yeah, you, you go in there already at a disadvantage because of what that building is juiced up for that night. So yeah. the Pfizer Forum is my least favorite place to play in the conference. So I'm just happy we yeah. got that one out of the way. And let's, let's not forget, this is a building that has historically given the Friars nightmares. I don't, I think their first ever win at Marquette. Sorry, I mean, yeah, it was when we were in school. Like yeah. it's, it's that recent. And that was, that might've been, I don't remember if that was Surf or if that was the other building they played in there. It, it was um, the same building, just a different naming rights. It was, um, uh, what was it called? 
It's gonna come. It's gonna come to me like the second we sign off. I don't want to look it up. I see. I could see you're looking it up. Yeah. Now I'm curious because I got to go out. Let me tell you. I I was outside that building over the summer. I didn't go in, but it was um, what do you call it? Very very nice building. I want to go. Now I have to look it up. Oh, it does not have a catchy name. Although that's the previous building. Nope, that's not yeah. it. Welcome to the segment of, of the podcast titled We Look Things Up on Wikipedia. Was it, Oh, it was the had, Bradley. That's the old building. The Bradley Center? Yeah, that's the old building. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, whether it's the Bradley Center or Fiserv, they've struggled at Marquette. They, yeah. So it's a haunted building. Yeah, like everything you said. This game was not supposed to be close when no. it comes to all of the things going into it. Trying to play a team like that with basically no point guards, yeah, the, no preparation if, on the road. The, like, if anything, like I'm not one for moral victories, and I'm not claiming that this is one. The fact that we lost by eight is like a miracle. Like, g- given yeah. the the sloppiness of the uh, the way we handled the basketball, going down sixteen, Marquette's offense on fire, our defense lackluster. The fact that we lost by eight, I'm, I'm it's like. I don't. You come out of that in like a mind fog. Yeah, so I'll take it. Um, do we want to look real quick at this DePaul game on Saturday? Yeah. So DePaul is now the hottest team in the country. They'll be receiving votes on Monday. <laughs> DePaul basketball is back, baby. <laughs> oh God. Um, no, DePaul. Caleb Murphy's back for them. Um, he's playing for the first time. He's one of their big transfers. He came from USF. He's athletic. Um, I'm excited. He, he's he profiles similarly to Devin Carter. He's mm-hmm. not as good of an athlete. He's not as explosive, but he's similar to, or even at least how Devin Carter was last year as an, a non-shooter defensive guard who brings a lot of energy. Yeah. I also think talking about DePaul, you have to talk about Deshaun Nelson. He only had 10 points and six rebounds, but he was giving it to Zach Fremantle last night. And a lot of the shots were missed because that's just the nature of DePaul basketball. Like they rush and they're not very disciplined, but in terms of just a confidence level, he was driving into Zach Fremantle and bullying him. And I take a lot of pride in saying that because I don't like Zach Fremantle, but normally I wouldn't give this much props to a DePaul player, but he was really, he was holding his own. So this should be an interesting matchup for Hopkins. And Nelson has, has kind of started to come on. There were flashes, but he's the last couple of weeks. He's found a new gear. He's a he's a good player. Yeah, he's he'll rip a rim off too. Like he dunks with authority, <laughs> yeah. and he's he's in that he's climbing up the the power rankings of the non friar players that I really enjoy watching around the conference. So he's something, and just two out of three wins here for DePaul in the last three games the only loss was at home to Seton Hall all three were at home but beat Xavier you beat Villanova for the first time since January of 08 yeah um so yeah it's the Paul team has kind of turned a corner right? this is not the same DePaul group that we saw even three weeks ago no it's not um I I to be completely honest with you Matt this DePaul this game is a is a little bit of a worrisome game for me um just because, you know, we're kind of coming into this one beaten and bruised after this Midwest trip. And DePaul's playing with house money. They, they if the season ended today, they're not in the, in the NCAA tournament. But they don't really give a shit. They're just, they're playing yeah. with house money. They're beating whoever they want to beat. And 
look at you look at what they did last year when they came to the Dunkin' Donuts Center on the same weekend during Accepted Students Day. So Providence very thoughtfully scheduled DePaul to be our game on Accepted Students Day again this year. And I know that because my siblings got into Providence, Jack and it's Kate. Va- but it's that early. This is like a whole month that. off from when it was last year. <laughs> it's, they, they, this is the third time in recent memory that they've hosted DePaul on Accepted Students Day. I guess that's that's what they, it's. You got to make it Georgetown going forward. Yeah, you, Georgetown or Villanova yeah. now at the rate that those two teams are playing. You just gotta. I'm not. I'm not saying anything about Nova right now. I don't. I'm terrified of that team. They're just <laughs> bad enough to absolutely sink her resume right now. <laughs> that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, and I don't think they're as bad as some of the stuff that we've seen. But yeah, it's it's a it's a must win against DePaul. I'm confident the Friars will come out victorious. I'd like to see another blowout. This is where you want to see them bounce back, put things together. Hopefully Bynum is back and the team's healthy. A blowout keeps you in the top 25. Mm-hmm. A shaky two or three point victory and you're back to receiving votes on Monday morning. And probably that's unless some other stuff happens. Yeah. That's the really harsh reality of, of where we sit in time now after this Midwest trip. Yeah. Um, and we're we're kind of in a decent position right here where the four of the next five are winnable. Five yeah, of the next five are winnable. Four of the next five are games we're going to be favored in. Right. Four of the next five are realistically winnable. Five of the five, in theory, the, the rest of the schedule is winnable. But in a, in a lens here, four of the next five are realistic like you need to win. Yeah. I think, I think the schedule right now for the Friars, what you want to do, win, win every single home game, mm-hmm. all 10 in Big East play, and beat the bottom five or six teams in the conference on the road as well. Get your sweeps there. Then yeah. you're going to be 15 and five. And who knows if that actually ends up being good enough to win the conference. But if you're 15 and five in the Big East this year, you're going to be a top five seed in March and you're going to have some nice wins. You're going to have a win over every team in the Big East and you're going to feel pretty good. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is that where we want to leave off, Jeff? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's going to be a big weekend of sports. Providence and the Giants both play on Saturday. So nice little appetizer for you here. Yeah. I have no such Patriots fan here. I have no such worries this weekend. <laughs> we're on to the draft, yeah, well, baby. We're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. So not only is that a rivalry game, but it's also you're playing one of the best, if not the best team in the National Football League. So yeah, we'll see what happens. I'll root for the Giants. Why not? Hey, why not? We're all friends. We're all friends here in hating Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. That'll do it for us. Friars play two o'clock on Saturday on FS1. Make sure you don't miss it. Follow along at the Flex Hoops on Twitter. Follow each of us. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And uh, yeah, that's Joe Howie. I'm Matt St. Jean. We'll catch you next time.